Thanks to LegalZoom for supporting The Molly Fool. Whether you want to take your business to the next level or take control of your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom is where to start. They're not a law firm, but their network of independent attorneys can help keep you on track. For special savings, enter Fool at checkout, LegalZoom.com. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Tuesday, January 30th, and I'm your host, Vincent Shen. Yesterday, a European investment firm announced yet another major deal, the latest in a multi-year shopping spree that has included coffee brands, restaurant chains, and now a leading beverage company. That firm is JEB Holding Company, a conglomerate that'll soon earn a regular guest spot on Industry Focus, given how many companies it's been scooping up from the consumer and retail sector. But its latest purchase will bring Dr. Pepper Snapple, known for its namesake drinks, into the JAB family with almost $19 billion being paid out to Dr. Pepper Snapple shareholders. Joining me today in the Full HQ studio to discuss the deal is Full.com contributor Daniel Klein. Hey, Dan. Great to have you here in the flesh. Oh, thanks for having me. I will point out, though, in the winter, we could do this at my house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would not mind going down to Florida. We should definitely get a mobile studio for that. Um, so JAB is at it again, but instead of diving uh, directly into the deal specifics like we usually do here. Um, I want to set aside a few minutes to provide some context for the merger. Um, so we'll hit Dr. Pepper uh, Snapple first. Uh, they're a bit more straightforward as a publicly traded company. I'm going to run through a little bit of background. You should also explain that they're they're merging with Kerrig, which is a JAB brand. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we'll get to all these different players here. It's good to have this context before we dive into some of the whys and hows. Um, so the ticker for Dr. Pepper Snapple is DPS. I'm going to refer to them as DPS going forward just to keep it a little uh, smoother. The company had a market cap of about $17 billion prior to the deal announcement. Um, and they generated $6.6 billion of revenue in the trailing 12-month period by selling beverage concentrates and packaged beverages to retailers, bottlers, and distributors. And so the company has a portfolio that includes over 50 brands. And a lot of them are household names um, that we know. Dr. Pepper, obviously, Snapple, Canada Dry, 7-Up, Sunkist, uh, Hawaiian Punch. When we were talking before the show, you seem to say these are more second-level, uh, yeah. second-tier brands. They don't have Coke or Pepsi, mm-hmm. but they say they have all the top flavored brands. They have the top root beer. They have the top Hawaiian Punch. Yes. They, have, they have the t- or Fruit Punch in Hawaiian Punch. They have the top <laughs> orange soda. They literally say in their press release that they have the top grapefruit soda. If you could have named that before today, I would have been surprised. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Pepper Snapple. DPS is also a business that has come together as a result of various acquisitions, mergers, and spinoffs over many years. But overall, pipeline growth for this company uh, over the past several years has been in the low single digits. Um, not the strongest given some of the changes that we've seen with consumer preferences and perception of sugary beverages. But the company generates 90% of its revenue in the U.S., with the remainder coming from Canada and Mexico. And it's managed to expand profitability pretty well, grow earnings at a higher rate um, in their starting to invest and turn their focus towards healthier products. Um, They made a deal recently in 2016. They acquired Bybrands for $1.7 billion. And by pretty firmly rooted in the healthy beverage trend with their and they're of, expanding by pretty aggressively into uh, carbonated waters mm-hmm. and healthy waters they also have sort of an interesting business model where they distribute a number of 
up-and-coming brands generally in the non-carbonated, healthier space, which sort of gives them a window into, hey, this is doing well. Maybe maybe we could acquire it down the line. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely interesting on, on the concentrate side, for example. You know, in the, if you look through their financial filing, they mention that their biggest customers for that segment are Coca-Cola and Pepsi. So there's a, a lot of licensing and uh, these different deals that happen for Dr. Pepper Snapple, um, and that'll possibly be some of the justification for this deal that we'll and we'll look into that for how they might work out the synergies with Keurig. But let's jump now to the background for Keurig and JB. Um, so Keurig Green Mountain was folded into JB's empire in 2016 for 14 billion dollars. Um, Dan, tell us a little bit about the JB story. We've well, talked about them before <laughs> on this show and and the many strings of deals they've done. But so let's hear it. JB is a, a family controlled German company that honestly we know very little about. <laughs> the what they've been doing for the past few years is they've been acquiring a lot of companies in the coffee space, little ones like Duag Ver, Tassimo, Sensio, all these little behind the scenes brands, and then they sort of hopped out and bought Panera. They bought Kerrig. They own Einstein Brothers Bagels. When you look at it, they own maybe 30-something coffee brands, uh, Pete's Coffee, all of these sort of disjointed coffee products, and they haven't done much with them. Uh, by that, I mean they own Krispy Kreme and they own Panera, yet there's no Krispy Kreme donuts at Panera. Mm-hmm. They own Pete's. They own Caribou Coffee. There is no branded coffee product at Krispy Kreme or Panera. So they've very much so far been an acquirer that's sort of putting a portfolio together and they really haven't given you much sense of what they're going to do with it. And maybe this deal is kind of the first little hint of that. Yeah, I'll note that in a period of five years, the company has spent tens of billions of dollars and closed deal after deal, taking over some of those big names that you mentioned, um, Panera, and then they took over Obon Pen uh, late last year. And that's really just the tip of the iceberg. But at the time of the original acquisition for Keurig, who's now uh, going to be the merger partner with Dr. Pepper Snapple, um, Keurig was underperforming. They had declining revenue and profitability. The Keurig cold uh, competitor <laughs> to the soda stream, for example, was a disaster. Was, was an absolute disaster. And the company was having trouble competing with uh, the lower-priced third-party pod providers. It was also facing a backlash over environmental issues. Mm -hmm. At the time, yes, you had cold. Yes, you had some of these disparate brewers that made cappuccinos that nobody bought. But when you're a one-product company... And there's a backlash to that one product. That's not a good thing. So, you know, the vast majority of their revenue came from K cups, and people were saying, "Hey, K cups pollute. K cups are a problem." Going private removed a lot of that scrutiny. And even though they've pledged to go 100% recyclable, I think by 2020, yes, in the U.S., that took away all that pressure, and they didn't have to report anymore. That was good for them. But you also didn't sort of hear where sales were, and that kind of made people forget that, yes, K-Cups are kind of wasteful. Sure. So, JB actually paid an 80% approximately buyout premium for Keurig, and I think that will factor into our discussion later on. But let's look at the deal itself. So, some of the deal specifics. So, Keurig and DPS will combine to form Keurig Dr. Pepper, and that will remain a publicly traded company. So, if you're a DPS shareholder, you'll get a special cash dividend of $103.75 per share. And once the two companies come together, the ownership structure will have 
DPS investors claiming about 13% ownership of the combined entity. Uh, Mondelez, which uh, held a pretty significant chunk of Keurig as well, they'll control a similar stake, I think about 13 to 14%. And then the remainder will go to JB and its other partners. And then Keurig Dr. Pepper will have almost $11 billion of annual revenue and uh, pretty... Uh, let's just say uh, eclectic, a portfolio of different brands and things going on here. I think the way to describe it is these are complementary products. You know, it's not obvious. You don't look at Dr. Pepper and say, oh, a Dr. Pepper K-cup, that would be perfect. <laughs> that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And before Carrig Cold failed, you might see some obvious move, you know, hey, they could do cold drinks. They're clearly not going to do that anytime soon. So really the, the, the quote, synergy in the deal comes in how they're able to get these products to market. And if you're already going to the store with your K-Cups, you might as well tack on some Dr. Pepper, some 7-Up, some Clamato, whatever else it is, and sort of uh, make your supply lines better. Instead of having to have one truck make 10 stops, maybe that one truck makes one stop now or two stops. Yep. So the synergies that the management teams mention in their kind of pre- in their presentation for this deal uh, they mentioned 600 million dollars of annual synergies that uh, will be recognized in 2021 but there are also 750 million dollars of one-off costs that will stem from this deal as well but ultimately they they mentioned things like integrating warehousing transportation uh, saving on scale with suppliers removing duplicate processes and positions so nothing that we haven't heard before in the, in a the deal like this in terms of duplicate processes and, 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 and it's not all that impressive. Like, you know, you look at this and you know, a lot of times a company gets to a bigger scale and there's huge savings. This is just sort of some added efficiency because, like I said, the trucking routes are going to get easier. You won't need two accountants. You mm-hmm. won't need, you know, one sales rep might be able to sell both to a grocery chain. But these are relatively small efficiencies. And on that basis alone, this deal doesn't make all that much sense. So we look at the numbers then. All right, so we take that $600 million annual synergies. So they use that in a calculation. So they have pro forma estimates for adjusted net income for the combined entity that's at $1.8 billion and earnings per share of $127. So that, again, that, those bottom line figures, again, include the synergies, which won't be recognized until 2021. So it's not exactly uh, the, the most accurate pro forma estimate, but it also include uh, the potential impact of new tax rates. Um, but with all that in mind, if we take their pro forma $1.27 in earnings per share and apply the trailing price to earnings multiple that uh, Dr. Pepper Snapple was trading at prior to the deal announcement. So that was about 21 times. Then Keurig Dr. Pepper shares, uh, they'll come in at around $27 per share. And the company will also pay $0.60 cent a year uh, in dividends. So that gives lets them start with about a 2.2% yield. So uh, just to give you a little bit of an idea in terms of the numbers behind the deal. But uh, moving on from some of the strict financials, I'd like to step back look a little bit at the management team and operations for the new Keurig Dr. Pepper as well, because the two companies will continue to operate out of their current locations for the time being. Um, but Which has been sort of a JB calling card. Yeah. Like, it, it does seem like they often replace the CEO. In other leadership, yeah. Though, though, even when they do that, like with Panera, uh, Ron Shake stepped upstairs. Like, they, <laughs> they, they the, the, uh, 
the CEO of of Dr Pepper is joining the board. Mm-hmm. They're they're very sort of light touch about how they do this, and I think that's strategic. They don't want to change. Call it upper middle management or everything but the top layers because they don't want to see employees leave. There's obviously going to be some cuts. You know That's how those synergy savings happen. But the, JB has been very smart in they take a hands-off approach. And in this case, I don't think you're going to see you know huge groups of leadership, the vice president level people leaving. They're just going to work for a new company now. Mm-hmm. So leading the combined entity from Burlington, Massachusetts, will be Keurig CEO Bob Gamgort, and I'm going to give a shot at this, Keurig CFO Ozan Domekioglu. Uh, Larry Young, as you mentioned, who's the president and CEO of Dr. Pepper Snapple, will join the board of directors. So the deal's expected to close this summer, um, and that about does it for the core details behind the players involved, the deal itself, the structure of the deal itself. So next up, uh, we're going to look much more closely at what might be driving this merger and then some of the important risks that I think investors will want to consider looking ahead. Thanks to LegalZoom for supporting The Motley Fool and Industry Focus. The New Year's rush is finally over and it's time to work on your story for the rest of 2018 and LegalZoom can help. Whether you're finally getting serious about launching and running your own business or squaring away your family's future with the right estate plan, you can do all that and more with LegalZoom. LegalZoom has been helping people like you take care of their dreams and responsibilities for 16 years. LegalZoom is not a law firm, but they have the resources to keep you on the right path, including advice from their network of independent attorneys all at your fingertips. And LegalZoom plugs right into your life without billing you by the hour. Instead, all pricing is given upfront. Write your 2018 story now at LegalZoom.com slash fool and enjoy special savings. That's LegalZoom.com slash fool. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. That's LegalZoom.com slash fool. All right, Dan, so we're peeling, peeling back some layers now on this deal. And I'll first pose this question to you, and that is why. Why, Dr. Pepper <laughs> Snapple, do you feel like hot and cold soda and coffee combination makes sense? Look, if you ignore the fact that it's not, you know, it's a public company where only 13% of it is actually going to be traded, you can say, all right, there is some distribution benefit here. Kerrig is in every grocery store. Obviously, some of the top Dr. Pepper Snapple brands are, but not, you know, maybe buy isn't carried. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at convenience stores, there's obviously a very strong uh, Dr. Pepper Snapple area where maybe there's some room for for Kerrig products. There's absolutely a ready-to-drink component here where you look at some of the, the Kerrig brands and really more some of the, the JB brands like, like Pete's or Caribou where you could go into convenience store, compete with Dunkin' Donuts, compete with Starbucks. So there's, there's some small benefits like in, hey, I know who to call at this company, <laughs> but I don't see a real reason to do this. <laughs> so if I boil that down, you're saying uh, – Distribution capabilities, kind of, uh, more so on the Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper Snapple side. And the Keurig is undoubtedly the leader in terms of that single-serve uh, coffee space with the machines and their pods. Um, and they, in the presentation, they kind of tout having more and a more, a more established footprint in e-commerce and other less traditional kind of retail partners. They're very Keurig is very good at e-commerce, but are you going to buy, you know, a Dr. Pepper <laughs> online. So that's, that's where it comes down to. I feel like this is an odd combination um, in that Dr. Pepper Snapple is still dealing with uh, 
declining popularity of sodas. They've been later or late to the game in terms of adopting uh, the more health-focused strategy with their buy acquisition, for example, when their bigger competitors, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, have been on that and spending heavily in that space already for some time now. And Keurig has improved its financial and operational standing in the two years since it's gone pri- private. So management actually shared some details about uh, the progress that they've made since going private under JB. So pod volume is up 3%, but revenue is down 3%. But in terms of their operations, they've certainly been streamlined. Profitability is up. Um, their operating margin, I think they mentioned it's up seven uh, percentage points. So pretty significant. But these are not high growth businesses, as far as I can tell. And I'm curious and struggling to see how they power each other in it, terms it of also, shareholders. It didn't open up any new markets. You know, there is some Dr. Pepper strength in Mexico. So maybe you could expand a little bit your carrying into there. But I could see if Kerrig had bought something that gave it access to Europe, where it has almost zero market share. Mm-hmm. I could see same thing with Dr. Pepper's and Apple. Those brands have very little. If yes, private, both very U.S. Um, and North America focused businesses. Yeah. So you you look at this, and either the goal of this is really just about creating a public company which gives them more flexibility going forward. Or there's another shoe that's eventually going to drop. If you look at what JAB has been doing, this is not a short-term strategy. They didn't accidentally find themselves owning 35 different <laughs> coffee companies. Yes. They, they clearly have a long-range vision, and their coffee brands are global. So there might be something else. Uh, may, maybe Nestle's coffee business. Maybe you know who, who knows what it might be. But there's obviously or very likely something else to come and being public gives them more flexibility when it comes to buying a bigger company. Mm -hmm. And management mentioned that the penetration in the U.S. of their uh, the, of the brewers is up three percentage points from seventeen to twenty percent in the U.S. and they see the ultimate um, end target and potential for that penetration level to be much higher, as much as two or even three times. It's higher. so fun. So you know, I vehemently de- disagree yes, with this. Yes. And so, Kerrig is a mature product. There was a point, and I'm sure you remember it, where like if a friend got a Kerrig, you went to his house. Like it was awesome. Now everyone has a Kerrig. A lot of them are with the crockpot under the under the counter. <laughs> I know you and I both have Kerrigs, but I I have two of them. They're both in cabinets. I never use them. I go out for coffee. I don't feel like yes, there's market share to gain. They can go from twenty to twenty three percent, maybe to twenty five. Are they really going to go to forty or sixty percent? It seems preposterous to me. Mm-hmm. And those numbers are based on the European market, but the difference is there are different coffee traditions in different countries. And Kerrig sort of introduced the idea of a kind of fussier but also convenient coffee at home. Here, we've seen Nespresso. And Starbucks try to give you a better product, and it hasn't worked. So I just don't see that there's a huge group of Americans to be tapped that still don't know what Kerrig is. Mm -hmm. Going back to what you mentioned, though, about the other shoe that you mentioned dropping, um, I think it's important to distinguish between JB and Keurig and all the other uh, separate portfolio companies because they're still distinct entities. And so while you have this connection as all being part of this conglomerate, it might make some licensing deals easier, might make collaboration a little easier. To me, I think having them work 
together um, to drive this growth that I'm sure the company wants to deliver. It requires more of a one-to-one, hand-in-hand relationship under the same roof and management team. So I'm curious, you know, what that might mean in terms of for Keurig, for uh, Keurig, Dr Pepper, and some of the other brands that JB holds. I think what's been good for Keurig is while JB obviously doesn't force its companies to do much, that if you're Keurig and you go to Pete's and say, I want to make a licensing deal, Pete's is not going to be able to say, oh, we don't think K-Cups are right for us. <laughs> so there's that benefit and there's an industry established standard of what you pay. There's not a lot of negotiating when it comes to that that type of deal. So I do think there's sort of an open cupboard for Keurig, which gives them some business protection. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts don't want to sell K-Cups, they don't have to. But there's a lot of brands that can still keep Keurig interesting, which is definitely something that's hurt their competitors. If you own a Starbucks Verismo, all there is is like the eight different Starbucks pods. Whereas if you own a Keurig between licensed and unlicensed, there's hundreds in every grocery store. So owning all those brands under the same corporate entity gives them that protection. But you're right. It's not like Dr. Pepper can, without working with Pete's, make a deal for a Pete's ready-to-drink beverage to go into 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. All right. So our last couple points that uh, I want to wrap up with, uh, there's the fact that you know Keurig basically going public again through Dr. Pepper Snapple will also allow JAB and its partners to harvest their two-year-old investment a little bit more easily, uh, their investment in Keurig. And on the flip side, I also think it will ultimately give the combined entity, Keurig Dr. Pepper, more flexibility to pursue these potential future deals and other acquisitions, because that's definitely not something we can rule out given the way JAB operates um, with uh, the, you know their shopping spree in the past several years. So, uh, closing points then... Uh, if you end up a Keurig Dr Pepper shareholder, Dan, you know, to you, uh, what are you, I guess, the most worried about? You know, so I've seen some people bring up the 17 billion dollars of debt that they're supposed to be post deal. Management says they'll be reducing that debt load in several years, thanks to uh, the company's strong cash flows. But that's definitely a risk, nonetheless. But is there anything that's keeping you up at night? Yeah. I worry, and we've talked about this with other companies. We talked about it with Sprint and with CBS and Viacom. I worry when a public company is mostly controlled by a private entity. There are only two independent board seats on a seven or eight person board for the new company. Mm -hmm. So you as a shareholder, and you have to remember this, you are not going to be the primary interest of this company. It's Now, your interest may align with JABs and their shareholders, and I, and I expect that they will most of the time, but if there is something that provides short-term better liquidity or a score or whatever it is <laughs> for the company that owns most of it, and you have to sacrifice shareholders to do that, with only 13% of the company in shareholders' hands, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Yeah, I think you already have the uh, integration risk and challenges that you would expect from bringing any companies like this together, especially pretty different ones here. Um, but in this situation specifically, you know, investors do have to remember what you mentioned, Dan, in terms of the differing incentives and other things that I think can be cooking beneath the surface between Keurig, JB. It's many, many portfolio companies. And then the relationship between all of them, and again, just remember, public ownership, 13% of the company, and then JB and its partners, including Mondelez, 87% ownership. And there's just one other thing that, that worries me. On one hand, it's great that JAB buys a company like Panera that's very well run and sort of helps it focus, gives it some resources. 
But the fact that they have not gone to Panera and said, hey, by the way, we own Pete's and Caribou and you don't have a branded coffee service. Can we integrate this into your brand? It does concern me that maybe there's some big strategy that's all going to happen at once. But the fact that they're not going in and saying you have to do these things or sort of exploring what the synergies between their various owned products are, Mm -hmm. it concerns me that there's a lot they could do with this new combined Carrick Dr. Pepper that maybe they won't. Okay. All right. So the deal, again, is expected to close this summer, barring any issues with regulatory approval. Uh, we don't foresee any of those given the very different businesses that Keurig and Dr. Pepper snap. And it's also, you know, j- j- the total revenue is about what Coca Cola does in a quarter. So, <laughs> so there, there really aren't any antitrust concerns here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dan and I will be bringing you updates on this deal as they come. Uh, Dang, thank you a lot for coming into HQ today. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks for tuning in. Austin Morgan is the producer for Industry Focus. People on the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Thanks again for listening. One. We'll